Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy, and welcome back to this podcast. I, uh, I'm i always encouraged to sit before you to see uh, how we can share our experience, strength, and hope. And so often I hear fantastic uh, stories back from you on social media. I'm continually encouraged by the great success that I see so many of us having and I'm even encouraged uh, encouraged from time to time by hearing some of the struggles because we just call that life. As I would tell my friend Wendy, who is just doing so incredible after four years now, you know, she would she would come to me and say, this is going on and that's going on. And, and I think, well, first of all, you're recognizing that things are going on. In the past, we wouldn't have recognized them because we would then need to become accountable and maybe even deal with them. And we weren't willing to do that. So we would rather deny something that was painful than accept it or recognize it because then we were accountable to change it. And we weren't ready to do that, to take accountability uh, and to change. And so even when I hear of people struggling and things not going well, the fact that we're sharing, the fact that we're reaching out, the fact that we are knowing it's going to be better, we're just looking for the right element or the right step or the right tool or the right person um, to help us find what the answer is. And usually, most always, we already have the answer. And what life coaches such as myself and sober coaches uh, do is not give you anything you don't have, but to show you where to go find it. So, that is so important that we do that, and 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 today's podcast is directed toward that, and also um, just making a little heads up of what we're going to be doing over the next number of weeks. As you know, uh, I do two podcasts uh, per week, one on release, one on Tuesday, and Jonathan releases the other one on Friday, always very topical. But my daughter, Carol, who is one of um, my most faithful listeners, and what a blessing that is considering she was one of the daughters that I walked out on. Her and I are so close and so encouraged uh, by each other, for each other, and Carol is, um, I might be your favorite podcast. She sent me some stat the other day, and, and apparently through the podcast app she listens to, she listens to me more than any other podcaster, and for that, I'm very humbled and very, very grateful. And she was saying, hey, Pops, why don't you do more on the steps? You know, and, and the steps are foundational to who we are and what we do, especially in 12-step recovery. But no matter who you are in your path to recovery or what path to recovery you are in, whether it's religious, whether it's secular, whether it's Buddhist, whether it's 12-step, uh, no matter where you're coming from, there's going to be steps. There's going to be ways for you to get from point A to point B. Otherwise, we're just sort of stuck, right? And we certainly can't go off with our old thinking because, as Einstein said, we can't 
think our way into new living with thinking that got us into the present living. We need to elevate. We need to change. We need to move forward. So that's what we're going to do. So today's podcast is just about, it's called Steps for Life right? Steps for life is what we're going to be discussing today. And then the following weeks, the Tuesday podcast will be on a step. And then the Friday podcast will be on something topical, something that uh, Jane or Wendy or Angie or um, Tess or any of my other listeners or followers or Alan or or Spo, uh, what they would suggest to me, or what I would glean from the universe. And that will be the Friday podcast. So let's jump into the deep end of the pool. You know, as a 12-step person coming into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, I wasn't sure of what to do. I just knew I needed to do something And after being in the rooms of recovery, I believed I needed to do it there. So at least I knew that I didn't need to go anywhere else, even though I wasn't exactly sure of what I was going to be doing. You know, and I say that because I saw your success. I saw the changes that you were making, and I heard your stories of where you were, and in many cases, you had lost more than I had lost, you had gone down the drain more than I had, and and those would become what I call my yets. They were yet to happen, but I found recovery in time, so if I was willing to do a few simple things, those would not have to be part of my story. Uh, you know, without the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and any other 12-step group uh, is merely a fellowship. You know, as, as so many of you know my story, all the different things that I was addicted and compulsive behavior in um, ultimately led me to studying the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous with some influence of these other groups. And over time, everything has fallen off. I'm I'm no longer bulimic. I'm no longer a compulsive overeater. I'm no longer attracted or addicted to pornography. When Laura and I go to Las Vegas, I could care less if I gamble because it's not what I'm about anymore. You know, obviously I don't do drugs and I don't drink and I try to learn how to live one day at a time. But it's more than just a fellowship, right? The fellowship is not the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. The fellowship is the attraction, is to giving me a sense of knowing where I belong, that I have somewhere I belong. And if I belong somewhere, I will have a tendency to stay. And if I have a tendency to stay, I just might learn. A fellowship, furthermore, can be why you are motivated to do something, but it's not what we do. Fellowship is what we partake in, right? Um, if, if, If I was going to change from the inside out, I would need stepping stones to get there because that's what it was going to take. Fortunately for me and countless others, the stepping stones have already been laid out. Not um, not only have the steps been laid out, but they've also been proven that when effectively inserted into our daily lives, 
positive change will occur. It just will. I love in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, hey, and if you're not from that bend, there's nothing wrong with that. Just study it, learn it. Maybe pick yourself up a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It can only help you. It certainly can't do you any harm. I love what it talks about in chapter five. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. It, it goes on to say on page 59, Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Here are the steps we took. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So if you want what we, what I have or what we have, just like I wanted what the others had when I got to the rooms, I would need to take certain steps. The 12 steps, fortunately, the 12 steps of recovery are necessary and important. It's something that I will need to do and we would need to do for the rest of our lives. Now, some say that's not necessary. And for them, hey, they may be right. I'm, you know, I'm not here to debate anyone. I'm just sharing my experience, strength, and hope with you and the experience, strength, of, co of and hope of countless others that, again, we might solve our common problem and to help others to recover from alcoholism. So if you've done them and if you've done this thing once and you can go on and, and not follow up and do anything, hey, you know, my hats are off, my hat is off to you. It's right. It says in the big book, you know, we, we, we have tried countless vain attempts, right? And if you can find another way to stay well, heck, even if you can go back to drinking on a normal level, you know what? I got no problem with you. I, I certainly can't do it. The people that I travel with have a have a uh, have an addiction, have a lifelong uh, addiction that's sort of stamped in our DNA, and it leads us to only being successful when we are 100% abstinent 100% of the time while employing these other steps. But if you've got another way and you've shown that that's not true, and as it says, you can turn around and drink like a gentleman, but my hat is off to you. What I want to say is that for me, this is for me, I'm going to own this 100%. It's really like having cancer uh, treatment or even diabetic. My friend uh, Chris T, he is a diabetic and he's got one of those um, automatic injectors. I'm not sure what the term is for it, but it, it, it injects insulin into him based on readings that it gets from uh, his body. And so that is something that he does on a regular and a daily maintenance. And really, when he does that, his diabetes does not harm him or affect him at all. He just sort of goes through his life. So he's taking his daily medication. If I were a, a cancer patient, I would I would do whatever I needed to do to make sure that that cancer is in remission. Sometimes it's daily medication. 
Sometimes it's regular checkups that become part of our health plan, right? I, I liken these things to that because for me to ignore those things could result in our physical death. And likewise, if I don't do the steps and if I don't continue in this program of recovery one day at a time for the rest of my life, I will... I will die in the emotional, the spiritual, maybe the mental sense, and maybe the last to go would be the physical, but it would likely go as a direct result unless that went first because I got in a car accident or I, you know, I uh, uh, did something else harmful to me uh, while I was um, backsliding or falling back into my addiction. I view the same thing as as recovering from a, a medical ailment as I do the steps for life. It's interesting how Newton's law of motion, and you may have heard of this law before, Sir Isaac Newton, the law of motion is actually three parts. The, the first one being is really what is called the law of inertia. The law of inertia. And, and it states that an object at rest tends to stay at rest and objects in motion stay in motion with the same speed and in the same direction, right? Unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. Isn't that phenomenal? Who was to know that Isaac Newton, in his Law of Motion, would lend us today a deeper observation into why we do the steps. Because things at rest tend to stay at rest. And, and I might be at rest, but my, but my addiction isn't. My mind is working. Just because I say I don't need to do more, it does not mean I don't need to do more. It just means I say I don't have to. But if life is uphill and I'm staying in place, what happens to me? Life passes me by. This thing called gravity kicks in and I go backward because I don't have any balance or I don't have any forward movement to keep me moving. Because if I am at rest, I will stay at rest. But if I'm in motion, I will stay in motion in the same direction and at the same speed that I was. Isn't that fantastic? I just love science and how it's by its very definition helps you and me understand other practical applications that are necessary for us in our recovered life. I love that in the same speed, in the same direction, unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. What could that unbalanced force be? Something that contradicts with the steps. Something that contradicts with my new spiritual way of living, right? This way of living that it says in the big book that demands rigorous honesty. I just love this stuff. Don't you? Don't you get excited? Don't you get encouraged when you when you get something affirmed? 
right? With the direction that you were going. Maybe you already knew this and didn't know that you knew it. Or maybe that you knew it and now this is deepening or at least confirming or reaffirming what you thought was true. And you and I, as it says on page 17, can join in brotherly and harmonious action as we seek out our recovery. Let's go ahead and take a minute to look at the meaning of steps and proceed moving forward. Because that's what we do with steps. Let's take a meaning, uh, a, a look at the meaning here. So when I look at dictionary.com and I look at the noun, a noun for steps is a movement made. I love this. A movement made by lifting the foot and setting it down in a new position, accompanied by a shifting of the weight of the body in the direction of the new position. I have to read this again because this is so incredible. And and this big book was written back in the in the early 1930s, right? And moved forward from there. And even then they understood the significance, maybe even on an altruistic or spiritual realm, but they understood it. Because today's definition helps me understand it's by lifting of the foot. And that could be a metaphorical foot, right? With my emotion, with my spirit, with my mind. It, it, it doesn't necessarily mean a physical foot, although this is the definition. But I'm, I'm lifting that spiritual, that emotional, that mental foot. And I'm setting it down again in a new position accompanied by a shifting of the weight. I've, I've made a directional change. I'm not moving the way I was moving. I'm, I'm shifting my weight and going and taking my body or even my spirit and my mind in the direction of a new position, right? What is that new position? That new position is in a new way of living. That living that I saw you partaking in was going to be my new position because I was done losing. I Remember that feeling of just being so sick and tired of being sick and tired that we just wanted a new position. We wanted a new way of living. And so this talks about this new position as in walking, running, or dancing, because we certainly do dance with excitement and new energy because we are celebrating. When I see that word dancing, I think of the word celebration, and that's what we do in our recovery. So we are walking in the beginning. We might be baby stepping. We might be crawling. We might be inching forward, but then we walk. And then later on, we learn how to run and really to get out and experience and enjoy our sobriety. And that is such a movement, listen to this, followed by a movement of equal distance of the other foot. So now equal distance, now our life is beginning to make sense. Now our life has some consistency of equal distance. I love that. That means I'm becoming balanced. That's what equal distance can mean for us. I'm becoming balanced in my life. 
things begin to make sense, don't they for you? Have you found that when you're doing the steps, things begin to make sense? I'm so excited for my dear friend that I'm working with and we're discussing some, some things and, and Alan and he just celebrated um, on Saturday, I believe it was, 90 days of continual uh, sobriety and recovery in his area. And he's finding, starting to see some balance, equal distance because he's taking the steps, he's working the steps, he's going through life, he's putting one foot in front of the other and learning how to walk. He's finding alignment is beginning to take place with the emotion, with the mind, with the physical and the spiritual. When it's used as a verb, it means to move. It means to go. It means moving by lifting the foot and setting it down once again in the new position. Or by using the feet alternately in this manner to step forward. I love the definitions here, whether it's the noun or the living it out in the verb, because actually until it becomes a verb, then a step is only a noun. Then we may expecting it just to occur because we decided we wanted it to, right? And it becomes that whole thing by osmosis. One of the things that Laura and I do in our marriage counseling is we talk about love being a verb. It is not a noun. I'm obviously, grammatically, it is a noun, but that's not when it's effective. That's not when Laura knows how much I love her. She knows I love her because I demonstrate in the verb form the noun that I speak. It's like, what, what is the, the Missouri, the show me state? Okay, I know what you're saying, but now show me what it means. So I understand the concept of the step. Now, when it's translated into a verb, I need to now take those steps. Our addicted life. I'll own this as well, my addictive life, but hopefully we can do it collectively because there are some universal truths about you and me. Our addictive life was characterized by chaotic choices that rarely made sense. I mean, even when our choices did make sense, we seem to self-sabotage and fall back. Remember that? I mean, I was good for a minute. I'd make these great promises. Oh, I'm going to change. I'm not that guy. I'm going to be different. I can, I can do this. I can overcome that. Or I don't need to do this. I'm sorry that I made the mistake. And on and on and on. And maybe I would for a window of time. But I would stop doing those things. A lot of times it was because I wasn't overcoming the negative self-talk. And I would fall back into that negative mindset and that negative lifestyle and it would affect me and I would fall back into that old way of thinking. So even though I might have latched onto something, and that's what happens when people relapse in recovery. If you've been around the rooms for a minute, you've seen people who've come in and they sound really good and then we just leave, right? I did that at 71 days. I was using the steps because I was... I was more concerned with what you thought than who I was. 
I was more concerned. And because I was more concerned with you thinking I knew about the steps, it allowed me to not take the steps. And so just by not drinking and hanging around you, I had some temporary and and some uh, adequate changes in my life, but I never really used the steps as a verb. I never really committed myself to those steps. And yes, I did self-sabotage. I believed I could go back to the old playgrounds and old playmates and the entertainment arena that I was in as a um, an escort for uh, celebrities and, and entertainers. And it wasn't long before there I was back in those rooms. You know, fortunately, it only lasted for a minute. And I was able to get back to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that was April 25th of 1986. And I've been clean and sober ever since then because... I decided to take steps for life. I knew that it was a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual conditioning. And the maintenance of my spiritual conditioning was contingent on the steps that we're going to begin talking about and starting out with step one, how we admitted we were powerless over alcohol or whatever the substance was and that our life had become unmanageable. Unless I was willing to do that, I was going to fall back. Falling back brought us lower than we previously were. If we are to make sense of our life and turn it around for life, for good, then steps for life must become our priority. They must become it. Not, not maybe they should. Not maybe I'll give it a try because if you're an addict, whether it's a substance and or a behavior, for me, again, it was a whole bunch of stuff. I brought I brought baggage for us all. <laughs> I brought junk for us all to the party and you brought yours as well. And unless we're really committed to doing this for the rest of our life, we will fail. We, I, I tell people all the time, there's nothing worse than someone with a little physical sobriety. When we start getting some things back in our life, oh, I got this back, I got that back. Maybe I don't need to do this other stuff, which is pretty hard. I'm getting this other stuff back just by doing this. Maybe I'll just keep doing this, right? But we can't keep doing that because that's not steps. I can't. I can't stay in step three and think I'm going to get well. Not when there's nine more steps. Because that will mean I'm no longer moving in a new direction. I've stopped. I'm stunted in the direction that I was going, but I refuse to go any further. And I guarantee you, our problems are much greater then becoming willing to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood God. We now have to do something about that because step three is not even an action step. And we're going to talk about that in our, in our podcast moving forward. The assurance of never returning, and I can say the word never, I'm not afraid of it. Eventually, you won't be as well. We can say we never intend. There's nothing wrong with that. Because rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. <laughs> My friend Trish told us, and she had heard it from someone who heard it from someone. 
Here's the deal, and you may have heard it before. Do all these things, and if it doesn't work, we'll refund your misery. You can have it all back. You can, you can be miserable like you were before you came to the rooms of recovery. But my assurance to never return to that place is to continue my journey using the stepping stones I have been shown. You ask anyone who knows me. You ask, my, you ask Laura. You ask any of my children. Ask Kathleen. Ask Carol. Ask Frankie. Ask Sarah Jane. Ask Rob. Ask people who know me in recovery. Check out, check me out on Instagram. Check me out on Facebook. DM the people who follow me, who know me. Ask them how committed I am to these steps. Ask them how confident I am. And it's not confidence in me. I'm confident in all the people who have gone before me. The myriad of people who are still well after more time than me and individuals who passed on clean and sober, living that life to the fullest, and then dying, working the 12 steps, going in that direction that would allow them to attain the highest level that they could possibly attain in their physical life. And now they're taking it on in their journey, in their spiritual afterlife. And that is my intention to never return to that place, but to experience the joy and the happiness. And trust me when I tell you, my life isn't perfect, but I live a badass life. I totally do. I am so overpaid. My sister Mary gets a kick out of, out of it all the time, but she loves it because she knows what I'm talking about. She was there when, when she decided, her and her husband Brent decided, I think Bobby's doing something good. I see changes in his life. I think we should let him move in with us and, and, and kickstart his life back in Southern California. They saw me doing the steps. We talked about it. As devout Christians as they are, they understand steps in their faith. And they understood that I was taking steps to better myself. And they were willing to, to take a, a, a gamble on me to see how well I would do. And I've grown ever since then. And Mary will tell you, even though she laughs, yes, he really is. Because she knows what it was like for me. I am overpaid in every area of life. And I'm not overpaid in every area of life because I'm better than the next person. I'm overpaid in every area of life because I've taken steps for life. It is my ongoing treatment for a condition that only rests but I only need it to rest. I only need a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual conditioning. I, I could care less what's stamped in my DNA. What's stamped in my DNA, here, here's what's really cool. Tom Bennett taught me this. We have a mental obsession coupled with a physical allergy, right? The physical allergy is my, is my, is my uh, propensity to drink once I've had one. It is stamped in my DNA. It is my physical allergy that once I drink, I can't stop. It is a progressive illness, same with drugs, and really even so much with the same with other behaviors. You know, bulimia, anorexia, compulsive overeating, those things we have to be so careful with because it, that could be stamped as a set pointer in our DNA. 
So since I can't solve the physical allergy, why would I even, why would I even worry about it? What I want to worry about, what I want to stay in tune with is that mental obsession. If I take care of the mental obsession, which I do by taking the steps, then does the physical allergy even matter? The answer is no, a resounding no. The physical allergy no longer matters, providing I take care of the mental obsession and I take care of the mental obsession by doing the 12 steps of recovery. Do you feel me? This is the deep end of the pool we're going to be jumping into over the next 12 weeks. And I hope you join us every Tuesday for one of the 12 steps. And thank shout out to my daughter, Carol, for giving me the suggestion. This is fabulous. If you can feel my energy, if you can feel how pumped up I am, because I love the steps. They are steps for life. And then on Friday, we'll do our normal topical uh, podcast. And, and look, hey, look for Wednesday's uh, blog. Susie, my, my Al-Anon friend Susie, our dear friend, our family friend, what an amazing story of recovery she is. She's writing Wednesday's blog for us this week, and it is entitled Manage or Be Managed. It's about managing the holidays. And she's got a great story to tell. You're going to not want to miss uh, that blog on Wednesday, Manage or Be Managed. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for everything that you do. Go to recoveryguy.org. Go to recovery underscore guy on Instagram. Find me on Facebook, The Recovery Guy. Support us at patreon.com forward slash recovery guy. Go to Venmo for one-time donation at Robert hyphen pardon hyphen three. To do that, go to your favorite podcast channel, share, subscribe, tell a friend what we're doing. And as always, my name is Robert, and I am the Recovery Guy.